everybody, and welcome to the A Links Among Links podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Siafer, uh, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, she is a new contributor to the Wolf Among Wolves team, going to be covering the links for us, and she's also going to be a co-host for the A Links Among Links podcast moving forward. Uh, Tay D joins us. Tay, welcome. What's up, guys? So happy to be here. So, Tay, uh, you're a new member of the Wolf Among Wolves team, like I just said. Uh, why don't you give us a little background to kind of... Um, your experience, what you do, the, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm born and raised in Detroit. Um, I was a hardcore Detroit Shock fan until they uh, got rid of our team, but still go Shock. Um, I'm an educator right now. I love working with children, with youth. Um, I love teaching. I love learning. Um, I'm really big on social justice issues, and I love women's basketball. And I'm looking forward to this opportunity, and I'm I'm ready to talk basketball. I'm ready that the season is here and that we're starting next week or this week, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like it, I, I kind of had to remind myself this morning. I'm like, Oh, not only is are the links starting up the whole WNBA starting up baseball starting up. It's like sports are back hopefully for the long run. We'll cross our fingers on that one. Yeah. We get, we get some kind of amusement. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, since this is kind of, well, this is Link's Day on the Wolf Among Wolves website, so I encourage everyone to, to um, uh, go check that out. But Tay, you had an article that we posted this morning as well, uh, kind of talking about the social justice uh, side of the links. Why don't you give us kind of a rundown of, uh, of that article? Yeah, it, it really stemmed from, um, I wrote it in the midst of like finishing a school for, or a class for grad school. And so social justice was kind of on my brain. And um I looked at the opportunity that the organization gave three new assistant coaches and Planette Pearson and Rebecca Brunson and Katie Smith and thinking about how this is a squad of women that are teaching more women. And we rarely get to see that. Um, and not only that, but now we have two women of color on this staff that have championship winning mindsets. Um, and I'm super excited about that. And I know the tie in between WNBA and social justice and the community base can be kind of a, I don't know, kind of murky to look over, but this is a social justice issue that they are they're monitoring right now. And it's super exciting to create opportunities for women and create opportunities for women of color. And it's a small step into a long journey that we have ahead of us. Yeah. And I, and I think one thing that, you know, I personally am proud of, and I think the whole state of Minnesota is proud of as well, is that the links have always kind of been at the forefront of social justice issues. Um, you know, we talk about Maya Moore and everything she's done, which is just incredible. But also, uh, even before like the NBA started taking a stand with the you know the I can't breathe T-shirts and all that stuff, like the Lynx also uh, made a stand. Um, I think that was back in like 2016. So yeah, 2016. Yep. So the Lynx have always kind of been at the forefront, and um, I, I think that's definitely something to be to be proud of. Still, lots of work to go, but I think the what the Lynx are doing is is definitely admirable. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm I'm looking forward to again just seeing these ex players in different positions and in positions of leadership. And I know I keep saying I'm excited, but I really am excited. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's uh, let's channel some of that excitement. So the the Lynx make their debut this season on Sunday. Um, they're going to be facing off against the Connecticut Sun, who lost in the WNBA Finals last year. Now, obviously, they have um, the roster has, has changed up a lot. Uh, since we last saw the sun on the court. Um, and, and like I said, the game is on Sunday at 11 a.m. and is actually one of the games that's going to be on ESPN this year uh, for the Lynx. Um, but looking over uh, the Connecticut Suns roster, so uh, the, for those who don't know, the typical WNBA roster is about 12 players. 
this year the Sun are actually only going to have 10 on the roster. Um, in large part um, because of the, the, the COVID situation. Actually, their uh, star player, Junkwell Jones, um, will not be with the team this year because of the, the COVID pandemic that's going on. Uh, so how big of a loss do you think that is for the Suns this year? It's a huge loss. I mean, she, I mean, she's a, she's a beast in the paint. She, she's amazing. She'll give you 20 points and almost 10 boards a night. I mean, it's a huge loss, but in the midst of that, they have a kind of a blessing in Dewana Bonner. I mean, adding her to that squad is stretching the floor a little bit. You know, she can dribble like a guard and she can shoot off the dribble like a guard. Um, but they're going to miss the, the bodiness of, of Jones. But I think Dewana, adding Dewana Bonner is going to stretch their game out a little bit more for them. Yeah, so uh, Bonner was uh, technically uh, signed as a free agent over the offseason, but she was actually acquired in a signing trade that uh, that cost the Sun three first-round draft picks. So obviously they, they really wanted to bring her in. Um, but yeah, so continuing to look at the roster of the, of the, um, Suns top five scores last year, four had, were either out because of free agency, uh, traded or, uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so the only, the five returners, uh, from last year are Alyssa Thomas, Jasmine Thomas, Bria Holmes, Natisha Heideman, um, and then, uh, Brianna Jones as well. So of those five who returned, who do you think is, is really going to need to step up? Oh, Alyssa Thomas, hands down. I think that watching her in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, we saw the role that she could be in. Um, unfortunately, they lost, but I think that she's, gonna, she's the leader now of this team, um, especially with Jones out. Um, she's another great post player. She has great defensive skills. Um, I also think Jasmine Thomas, it's, it might be time for her to shine as a point guard as well. Um, with Brianne January not being able to join the team right now with the COVID, um, it's, she's going she's gonna to have to step up as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in January it was all, you know, largely brought in, uh, again, in a trade uh, to kind of fill that point guard spot. Um, but, yeah, like you said, with the COVID-19 going on, her situation kind of up in the air. Um, it's a big loss whenever you – uh, you know, you a team wants to bring in someone to to fill a certain role, and then that player is no longer available. Um, you're good, definitely going to have to have um, players step up, and maybe in roles that they weren't necessarily uh, expecting to have or expecting to be comfortable with. But all of a sudden, you know, everything's thrown thrown into turmoil. You gotta you gotta kind of gotta take over. Um, it is interesting to to note looking at the 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 roster here from last year that. Um, Two former sons are, are now currently on the on the links, and in Rachel Bannum and then uh, Bridget Carlton as well. Um, now Bannum didn't necessarily have a huge role uh, with the Sun, uh, but she is expected to have a much larger role with the Lynx this year, particularly because Odyssey Sims, again, her situation's kind of up in the air after she gave birth uh, this this past spring. Um, what do you think we can expect from Rachel? I know she's from Minnesota; she's a hometown hero. Uh, you know, huge in the high school scene and, in the, and then in college with the Gophers. WNBA career has kind of been, you know, not obviously to an all-star level. She's kind of always been a bench player, role player. What do you expect for her uh, with the Lynx this year? You know, it's interesting because knowing about that, it, it almost would have been like this would have been the perfect season for her to kind of come out and shine and being at home and, and be playing in a crowd that she knows. And unfortunately, due to the situation that we're in right now with the pandemic, I wonder if 
that momentum is still behind her, knowing that she's still a part of this team and this is her home squad. Um, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm ready to see, you know, kind of trying to get out of that bench player and maybe becoming a seventh or an eighth, eighth person coming off that, that bench. And I think the caliber of the coaches that we now have um, are only going to strengthen her skills and make her better. Yeah. And I, and I think one thing that, yeah, I don't think it necessarily was a, was a major determining factor in bringing Bantam onto the, onto the links, but uh, the links uh, have had success in the past in bringing Minnesota uh, women back to Minnesota. Um, you know, with Lindsay Whalen coming back and, and leading the, the charge to a bunch of championships. Now she's the head coach for the Gophers as well. So I, I wonder if they at least had that in the back of their mind where they were like, oh, we had success with the point guard who was from Minnesota coming back to Minnesota and having success. Maybe we can then pitch that to, to Rachel and say, you know, this is what Lindsay did when she came back and this is how you can be successful and this is how we plan on, on using you, that kind of stuff. Totally. I totally agree. Um, so... How do you think, or I guess let's let's phrase it this way: What's the key to a Lynx win on Sunday? You know, obviously the Sun were a, a incredibly strong team last year. May not be quite as strong this year because of all the things that we've already discussed. But what do you think is the key for the Lynx uh, to come out on top on Sunday? Uh, I really, this is my hope. I hope that we get to see a lot from Lexi Brown. I think that using her and utilizing her. Um, she's only getting better, only getting better. Um, and I think that she's going to be one of the most underrated people in the league right now. Um, I think she's overlooked, and, and I think that she might surprise a lot of people this year. So using her and, and using her, I mean, she's got a shot that I have. I mean, she just has a clip. And clip, by any means, it's like she can just load them up and she knocks them down. Um, and Collier, I think, again, coming off Rookie of the Year, is only going to get better, only going to get better. And um, you know, we got fouls as the leadership. I think that there's no one else in the league right now that can defend her, that can guard her, that has that skill that she has right now. And um, I think it's going to be a challenge again. We just said John Quill Jones is not going to be in the paint, which gives foul an open lane to, to handle and do her business. Yeah, I think Lexi Brown is definitely going to surprise a lot of people this year. I think a lot of uh, people who are maybe not as familiar with the links are, you know, they look at Collier as being rookie of the year. Everybody knows Fowles' names. They're going to look at those two to kind of be the main driving force of the offense and the defense. And, and they probably still will be, but I think um, Lexi Brown is just going to bring kind of that, that third element that teams really need uh, to be successful. Uh, not only in the WNBA, but the NBA, just kind of back basketball in general. Um, you know, Fowles had a little bit of a down year last year compared to what she had in the past. Um, but she's still, you know, an all-star. She's still a high-level player. She's still pretty dominant in the paint. And if you don't have players that can um, defend that, and, you know, like like you said, Jones being out, they're probably just not going to have the, the, the firepower to, um, to, to, to stop her. Um, what do you think we're going to see from the rookies on Sunday? It kind of quotes from, uh, from training camp kind of make it seem like don't expect a whole lot, but what do you kind of, what do you kind of expect? I, I, I am expecting a lot. I think that Dangerfield is, is gonna, again, she's got a role to fill. Um, point guard, I'm, uh, I think that it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. I think that the three of them coming together and, and being part of such a, 
a great squad and a, a great team with a great staff and administration. I think that they can only get better. Um, again, we, we talked about uh, – who did we just say? I'm sorry, I'm blanking. <laughs> I'm totally blanking right now. Alexi Brown? Nope, not Alexi Brown. Uh, oh, my gosh, why am I blanking? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bantam? I'm totally blank. Like, the name – the face is in my head. I see her face. I see your face, and I can't. I can't get the name to to match it. I'm, I apologize so bad right now. Uh, Hibbert, is yes. that, that? Thank yep. you. That, it's yep. like in my mind because I'm so excited, and I just couldn't get get the words out. But watching her in South Carolina and being able to come into this league, I think again she adds a big stretch to this new team. A mm-hmm. big stretch. Again, you have someone who's kind of like Dewana Bonner, right? Can come down and dribble and and shoot and and spin and move, and she's got light footwork. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, early in the season, we might be able to get to see a little bit of what they can showcase. I think that once we get deeper into the season, they will have to utilize these players um, just because it's it's a different kind of league right now. There's going to be fatigue. Um, you know, not everyone was training when there wasn't training camp. Um, so it will be it will be interesting and fascinating. But I'm I'm excited to see Dangerfield. I'm excited to see how she transitions into the league. Um, we know kind of in the past that point guards transition to the league can be a little bit harder. Um, but I think she, she has those leadership qualities coming from UConn and, um, I think she's really going to shine really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of kind of the biggest knock on Dangerfield coming out of college wasn't so much her ability, but more her size and how mm-hmm. that would translate to the professional level. Um, and you know, we've had, I've talked about this on other, on other podcast episodes of, you know, like she's basically the only true point guard on the roster at the moment. Um, some of the, my previous guests kind of think Lexi Brown is going to have to handle some of that ball handling duty. Um, but you know, who, like, what do you expect from a second round pick? Who's a rookie, who's a point guard, who's maybe not the biggest athlete, you know, on the court. Um, I think she has the ability to make an impact. Um, it's just, when is that, you know, impact going to happen? And I think, having her on a team where she's with her college roommate and Nafisa Collier, I think that's going to be huge, not only for her confidence, but just kind of her um, ability to make an impact on the court. Whenever you're playing with people that you're familiar with, things go a little bit more smoothly. So I wonder if that was a big reason why the Lynx kind of targeted her in the draft, um, knowing that she had a, had a person on the team already that would make her a little bit more comfortable. Totally, definitely. And, you know, she, Crystal Dangerfield isn't the biggest, but I tell you she's one of the quickest on the court. And um, I think that she'll bring that pace to Minnesota. Um, and again, she's going to be one of those underrated players, I think, you know, and, and watching her at UConn and she was a ball handler. She was a passer, but she really has a three ball. And um, it's sometimes unexpected, really. Uh, so I think that being with Collier and again, being comfortable and having that confidence, um, it, w- it will guide her and it will help her help her gain her strength and, and only get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as as far as the other Lynx rookie, uh, Makai uh, or Kiki uh, Herbert Harrigan, um, you know, she's one of those players where, you know, she's known for her, her defensive reputation. She was a defensive a stud at South Carolina. Um, but she's also kind of quietly got a pretty good three-point shot. You know, I, I, I think off the top of my head, I, I can't remember exactly, but she shot something like 37% last year from three. It's just she had limited abilities. So I think when – people are, are looking at her, they're saying, oh, she's just going to be defense. Don't expect a lot from her offensively. But 
you know, it, I think she showed at least some, you know, signs during her time in South Carolina to, to make you think that, hey, she could be, uh, if developed properly, uh, an offensive force in the league. Maybe not her rookie year, but eventually. Yeah, you know what, though? I'm going to call it this year. I think she's going to be – I'm going to call – she's going to be a 15-5 player this year. I think 15 points, five boards um, on average. And I'm, I'm saying that in faith and I'm saying that in confidence because, again, I think, you know, she's going to be unexpected. This team is full of surprises. And I don't think that people really are paying attention just yet. Um, but – I think come Sunday, Connecticut Sun is going to get a rude awakening. It's going to be a very competitive, and it's going to be a very high-intense game. Everyone's ready to play. Mm-hmm. Everyone's ready to play. Rookies are ready to showcase their talents. Um, it's going to it's going to be fun. What uh, what role do you think you see uh, Kiki playing? Or, you know, what position, what role um, moving forward? In my mind, <laughs> in my mind, if if I if I'm throwing Kiki in a starting lineup. I am going to put her at the three and move Collier to a four. I like to see Collier in the post. I know she's got the jumper, but I think she's got the footwork in the post to be one of the greatest that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a big thing that the Lynx have going for them is positional versatility. You know, you, we see in the, in the NBA how, you know, uh, how important that is to have players that can play multiple positions and, and come in and, and fill different roles. And I think uh, – a lot of people who are who are potentially down on the links right now um, might not necessarily be taking into account that that positional versatility that they have on the team. Um, I think a lot of a lot of outlets that I've read, you know, to to kind of catch up on where the season, uh, you know, the off season, all that stuff. Um, a lot of places seem to be fairly down on the links this year. You know, they were coming off maybe not the strongest 2019 campaign. They're missing Odyssey Sims, so I can kind of see why people would think that. But then you look at the roster, and they're like, "Well, they have the Rookie of the Year. They have a former MVP who's still playing at an All-Star level. Um, they have quality role players. Uh, Lexi Brown is, is like we already said, probably going to surprise some people. Um, the rookies, uh, you know, there were a lot of question marks of Kiki going number six overall because a lot of people thought, you know, maybe Dangerfield would go sixth overall. But I think ultimately the Lynx still got the people that they wanted to get. I think the, the Lynx really have the potential to surprise a lot of people, you know, um, championship contender, number one team in the West, you know, maybe that's to be TBD, but I think that, you know, making the playoffs, I don't think at all is, is an absurd uh, goal for the team. No, not at all. I, I totally agree with you. Again, this is an unexpected team with, with talent that um, is just starting to form. You know, we've got, like you said, a versatile range of players, and they're coming together. Um, and it's been exciting to see media and Snapchats and TikToks and whatever else they're kind of putting together to form this bond, um, just because off the court, is it's just as important on the court. And, um, yeah, I, I think that they're going to get overlooked. But, you know, we got they got heavy hitters in the West, and the, I'm fine with being under the underdog. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think a lot of the times when we when we analyze uh, sports and sports teams, we think of the players fit, you know, on the court and because of their skill sets. We don't necessarily think about, uh, you know, how they get along together off the court. And like you said, you look at all the TikToks and all the all the tweets and whatnot. It seems like all the players really like and enjoy being around each other. Uh, and when you're stuck in a bubble in Florida, you're really going to have to like these people, <laughs> otherwise uh, the season might get long. Uh, but also, you look at the coaching staff, and I I. You know, I think it would be tough to argue that there's a better coaching staff in the league 
than than the the links and being led by Cheryl Reeve, and then like you said, the assistance that they brought on the the championship experience in uh, in Brunson. Um, you know, I just think that um, that's definitely an X factor uh, that's going to help separate the leaks the links from a, a lot of the other teams in the league. Definitely. I mean, in, in looking at the past of all these these coaches, right? Shore again, I'm going back to Detroit, Detroit Shock. She was under she was under Bill Lambeer, where Katie Smith and Planet Pearson won a championship in Detroit under Cheryl Reeve. And then when she went on to to be the head coach of Minnesota Lynx and having those championships with Brunson, all of these players have won a championship either with each other and under Cheryl Reeve. So that's another interesting fact that, I mean, just it bonds them together and it creates this unity. And um, without them being like wildly talented, I think their, their knowledge of the game and their IQ of the game is just going to, it's going to make and grow these, these new players, these new players. I'm, I'm ready to see what Brunson has been working on with Collier. I'm really, I'm really excited to see um, her step up her defensive game. I mean, she's got the offense, but I think with Brunson kind of, you know, boxing her out and showing how to get those rebounds is going to be fun to see for Collier. What do you expect from Collier this year? You know, she was rookie of the year last year. Do you think she could be, you know, all-star MVP caliber level player or what do you expect from her this year? No, I don't, I don't even think she broke the mode yet. I think that winning rookie of the year was, um, it was great, but I, I see her just getting better and, and, and becoming better and yeah, MVP. I mean, she's, she's great and she's still so young. Right, second year in the league, and um, I think just you know coming off of the momentum of early 2020 and, and losing Toby and kind of having that momentum behind her as well is kind of being like, I want to pay tribute, or I want to I want to do this for him, and I want to do this for Gigi and all these other people, and um, it's just it she's gonna get better, and it's she's gonna be all star, she's gonna be MVP, she's gonna lead the league in something one day. And, um, you know, she's got that UConn bread in her. And, and they're, they're, again, they're champions. And they work hard and they only want the best. Um, and I think she still holds on to that mentality. Yeah, and one thing that I've been impressed with uh, about Nafisa is, you know, sitting in on some of the press conferences that they've given during their time down in Orlando and just um, her talking about the leadership role that she's taken on because now she's going to be a captain this year. And, and to do that in the second year in in the league, it means, you know, uh, that your teammates and your coaches uh, definitely have uh, place importance on your words and uh, your ability to lead others. Um, and I've, I've just been really impressed with the answers she's given um, and kind of how she's in lockstep with, with Silvio Fowles, who's, a, who's another captain on the team, um, and, and how uh, she just seems ready. You, you wouldn't necessarily think uh, a second-year player uh, would be ready to come in and, and leave such a historic franchise or lead such a, a historic franchise as the Lynx, but she just seemed prime ready to, to take on that role. Said mama mentality. I really do believe so. She's, she's ready. And um, I think again, she's eager and uh, being able to step up in that leadership position, especially in the, the climate that we're in right now. Um, it's going to be great for her and it's, it's going to build characteristics and it's going to build what she can do on the court and off the court as well. Yeah. So one last thing that I, that I kind of want to touch on, and, and this isn't necessarily something that um, we had planned on talking about, but I, I want to get your thoughts on it. So when the, when a bunch of the uh, WNBA players first started arriving at the bubble, uh, we started, you know, seeing kind of 
how some facilities were maybe not up to par, some were, you know, the food situation was whatever. Um, but we also had a lot of teams or most teams, I think the Seattle is the only team that f flew com uh, privately down to Florida. It seemed like a lot of the other players and a lot of the other teams flew commercially. Um, and then when you look at the NBA, yeah, they also had food problems and whatnot, but it was nowhere at the near same level. Everybody flew privately. Like, um, what do you think it's going to take to get, uh, you know, whether it's the owner of these franchises or, you know, the, the public perception, how are we going to get the WNBA to be able to help or to be held to the same standard as the NBA? Because like you see a lot of like when the NBA players showed their food, you know, there was outrage and there was outrage when when the WNBA players showed their food at all uh, as well. But it seemed like it got a lot more of like airtime on TV, a lot more of the public discourse on Twitter and whatnot. Um, so how do we get the WNBA to that same level? You know, I've, I have been thinking about this what for the last like almost 20 years. Um, I used to say time. It was going to take time. But here we are years later and still fighting the same battles and still having the same challenges. Um, and it, it was kind of disappointing at first seeing those videos of the laundry facility and, and what those women were walking into and, you know, tubs not being able to be drained and the food situation, you know, and I saw Joel Embiid's food situation and I was just like, come on guy, like this is, <laughs> this is good food. Like you're, you're okay. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know if it's the public's responsibility. I don't know if it's the owner's responsibility. I don't know if it's the player's responsibility. I really don't know um, how we get to maybe not even the same level, but just a couple levels up um, to be close enough to the the public eye of the, of the NBA. Um, you know, the argument that I hear all the time is that NBA is more entertaining. It's like, have you ever watched a WNBA game? Have you ever? Have you ever? Because the performance and the skill that these women have takes work. It takes work. It's not just dunking. It's not just shooting the three ball. I mean, the defensive stands that we see in the WNBA that we do not see in the NBA, young people are watching this. And, you know, for me, my dad made me watch WNBA tapes. That was it. I mean, we would watch Kobe and, you know, Grant Hill, but the fundamentals to get those, I watched, I went to the shot games. We had season tickets. I was there. I was watching. Um, but it's really unfortunate that we're still where we are. And it, it has gotten a little bit better. We have seen some changes. And um, I think that kind of shifted in leadership, you know, changing the president and, and, and coming together and forming that union with players and listening to them and, and hearing them. Um, we have few more steps to go. I think we're on the right track. Um, I think that with a lot of the games being nationally broadcast this season is going to help um, to the public um, and for people that, you know, don't have league pass or, or, or cable. There's a lot of ABC games out coming out right now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's always a tough question. I really – I've been stuck on that for about 20 years. I don't know what it will take for the WNBA to be close enough to the NBA as far as um, – respect maybe maybe it just comes down to respect mm -hmm. yeah and i think for you know as awful as this whole pandemic situation has been i i do think that the WNBA is is in a better spot in that 
people are now starving for sports. And I think you're going to get a lot of people uh, tune into these WNBA games and actually, you know, begin to realize, oh, this is really high quality basketball played by really high quality athletes. Um, and then I think also, you know, sites like A Wolf Among Wolves just kind of really taking on the, the mantle of saying, hey, we're going to cover this team. We're going to cover this team well. You know, I, I think back to, you know, the early 2010s when NBA, it seemed like NBA fandom really took off, at least in, in my world, was when all these blogs started um, coming up and when everybody started talking about it on Twitter. So I think just having, um, you know, that constant voice of, you know, blogs constantly putting out information, people, you know, putting the games on TV and um, just having, giving people more opportunity to turn in, to uh, turn in, uh, tune into games. Um, and then, you know, like all, all the things you said, I, I think the the WNBA's time is coming. Um, we just have to continue to put in the work to promote the league and, and promote the players. And, um, you know, I think covering the league to the same extent as the, as the NBA, you know, you know, we see lots and lots of posts or, or YouTube videos or whatever saying like breaking down an offensive set or, you know, this is why the jazz are so good at defense. Like I think once people really start doing that with the WNBA as well, I think, you know, we're, we're going to uh, see the league kind of take off. So uh, that's pretty much all I've got for today's episode. Uh, do you want to, shout out anything do you want to promote any of your work tay before we log off here um no just please make sure you guys check out the i think there's five new articles out today so please mm -hmm. check those out i wrote one on social justice and and the the coaches that we have right now for the links and we got some new writers on staff i'm one of them super excited um so yeah make sure you guys tune into that awesome so we'll we'll call that good for today's episode uh we'll be we'll be back next week to break down kind of the uh the how the game against the the sun went and then uh look forward to the next week in Lincoln basketball